Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends and tactics from some of the world's most innovative minds in music. I'm artist manager and consultant, Jordan Williams. And I'm Sam Heisel, co-founder of the music marketing and content production agency, Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Jordan, what's happening, man? How are you feeling? Sam, well, what's up, bro? Not much, man. Very excited for our guest today. We have Jake Posner. He's the head of the New York office and SVP of A&R at Hallwood Media. He also manages the, the band Arizona. Really love this episode because Hallwood Media is very, very much focused on uh, signing and developing different songwriters and producers. So I, I think with, with Jake today, we dive very deep into the approach for developing a meaningful, sustainable, successful career as a, as a songwriter and producer, which is undoubtedly an underlying foundational element of the music industry that often doesn't get enough shine. So very excited that we could be the shine today. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, man. I mean, so first and foremost, Hollywood Media was started in the middle of the or in, in the beginning of the pandemic. So the first thing that we get into is what is that actually like? How do you goal set for a company when you're starting off in one of the worst economic situations of the past century? Right. So definitely, definitely glad that we got into that and that people can listen to it. We also get into what's important for songwriters to pay attention to while growing. I think the the benchmarks for recording artists are a little bit clearer. So, you know, do they go platinum? Do they go double platinum? Do they go diamond? But for songwriters, it's a little bit less clear because the, as you know, those metrics are important, but they're not necessarily the only things that could get you into a room. One thing I think we get into uh, that's really important is how he chooses songwriters for his artists to work with. Because I think when we think about collaborating with songwriters, we think about, you know, the artist going to a higher level, a higher tier in order to collaborate with an artist. So you think of an indie artist collaborating with a, a major label, and obviously that's a part of it, or, or you know, an artist on a major publishing company, obviously that's a part of it, but there are also artists coming to him that are at a lower quote-unquote tier than his artists are and how he kind of chooses which artists to work with. Um, I think in the songwriting sphere, it's, it's a little bit more it's a little bit more vague what that process is. So he definitely uncovers some of that vagueness uh, in this episode. And then lastly, um, you know, we talk about what are the conversations like when you're pitching your artists to, to, to labels, to publishers, what, what are the battles that you fight or that he fights as a songwriter slash producer manager that's different than a manager of an artist that's only a recording artist. So we get a lot into the nitty gritty into this, and I'm super excited for for people to hear about it. Yeah. Well, without any further ado, let's get into it. Jake, what's happening, man? How you doing? Good to see you guys. Thank you guys so much for having me. Very excited to have you on. Coming on. Uh, sounds like you got a special guest barking in the background somewhere, <laughs> bro. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping that he would keep it down, but this is the the, the, the luxury of, of recording in quarantine in well, the apartment. Actually, we're here to inter interview him, not you. So if you could get him a little closer Awkward. to the mic, that'd be good. Oh, yeah, you know, it's good. It's been it's been keeping me on my management toes for sure. He's a two-year-old like little Maltese. That uh, sounds amazing, man. That nice. sounds amazing. Um, well, first and foremost, yeah, also very excited to have you on. We'd love if you could just kind of set the stage. I know you have a, a fun and awesome position at Howard Media. Can you just speak a little bit to the, the specifics of your role and what your kind of day-to-day -day responsibilities look like there? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as far as Hallwood is concerned, so Hallwood is a company that was really born in quarantine from Neil Jacobson, who was, you know, previously the president of Geffen Records, signed the, you know, Darkroom Records, home to Billie Eilish. And, um, you know, that started, that endeavor really started at the top of quarantine of last year, where, um, you know, Neil had, had left his position at Geffen to start uh, a company really, really focused on, on the studio, which, you know, by, by which means really on songwriters and, and music producers. And um, what Hollywood Media is most fundamentally is a, a songwriter producer management company. Um, you know, so we look after anybody from Jeff Basker to Jimmy Stack and King Henry to, um, you know, David Stewart, who did BTS's Dynamite this last year. And, uh, you know, later on in last year, we also took on Murder Beats and that whole crew. And, um, you know, when it comes to the, you know, my role inside of Hollywood, my official title is Senior Vice President of A&R Management and Head of New York Operations. Um, you know, what that really means is, uh, you know, from a simple management standpoint, I have built my own roster uh, at this point of, of songwriters and producers that started with one. Um, his name is PJ Bianco. He's uh, my band Arizona's closest collaborator and mentor and, uh, and one of the best alternative pop producers that I know um, to now at you know hovering about 10 uh different songwriters and producers all of different gambits and and run different you know uh, all on kind of different sides and genres of the industry and um you know from an operational standpoint you know i neil and i have have known each other for a number of years and we've really built a lot of trust with each other just in the way that we both operate and you know i've been involved with him when it comes to just a lot of setting up the infrastructure of what Hollywood media is and, and has become you know that went from being you know employee number four to watching you know, now we have about 16, 17 different employees, um, you know, situating our infrastructure from getting off of an iMessage chain to situating inside of Slack, getting actual work system set up, workflow set up. Um, I oversee a lot of our marketing operations and I, I oversee a lot of our publicity operations, which, you know, encompasses anything from and especially focused on, you know, highlighting the accolades of our writers and producers and making sure that they're getting the shine in the media that they get, as well as making sure that Hallwood as a company is, um, as an emerging uh, management company in the space is also being able to be lifted and, and getting the visibility that, that any growing business needs to be able to, um, you know, to, to kind of get that, uh, to, to facilitate um, a workflow with, you know, inside of the industry and especially a, a saturated and loud and noisy one. Um, but um, beyond that, again, from really from an operational standpoint, I also kind of consider myself a bit of HR. I, you know, any new employee, I sit down with everybody for, you know, an hour, hour and a half. I like to get to know their life stories, get to know how they work, how they best function. And, you know, it helps us think about, you know, different ways that we can collaborate with each other to, you know, sitting down with the, the David Stewart's and bipolar sunshines of the world. And, um, you know, just getting an understanding from them as clients, as artists, as songwriters, as producers, you know, what makes them tick, what they're inspired by. And, you know, from there, it's, it's constantly just focusing and servicing them. You know, our, our key word is coverage, you know, is, is we're very lucky to have, um, you know, a, a, an incredible cast of employees at this point that, that cover anybody from, you know, uh, Christina Chavez on our team was the head of urban at ASCAP to Neil, who was, you know, the, the head of a, of a, of a major label to, you know, myself coming from artist management to lawyer managers to, uh, you know, pure writer, producer managers that have been doing this for the past 10 years, um, you know, all of which bring our own different experiences and our own relationships. And, and you know, I think for us, when it comes to working and functioning together as a cohesive company and, um, and really helping everybody win, which ultimately, you know, a rising tide raises all ships, 
you know, it's, it's important for us to be able to communicate that coverage, meaning, you know, what are artists looking for? What are A&Rs currently looking for, for their rosters? What are managers looking for? And, uh, and, and relaying that and keeping some kind of a, a strong central communication going on. So everyone can continue to get new work and, um, and be as up to date on every single project and what they're looking for. Um, so that's awesome. in, a, in a nutshell. So I got like a few different questions actually from hey, what you just said. So the first one is you said that you, the company was started in the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. What type of goal setting, essentially that's going to be, in my opinion, one of the hardest business environments that you can start a company in for like the next hundred years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. so, so how did you goal set and how did you build the, or, or, or how did you work with the co-founder or the founder of the company to, to make yeah. sure that this, the goals you were setting were not only realistic, but that could also sustain the business. Like, yeah. I, I guess I'm just thinking, I guess I'm just thinking you just said we, we started, the company was started near the beginning of the pandemic, which is yeah. like a unique sentence in itself. So how did that yeah. affect the process of what you do, what, how the business operates, et cetera, and so forth? Yeah, look, and I think it's a, it's a really important environment to be able to assess when you want to grow any company. And I think for, for us, you know, I mean, the most important thing, and especially the thing to keep in mind too, is like, you know, at this point, because the world had entered a pandemic, this is an even playing field for all of us. So no one was at any advantage or disadvantage. I think, you know, for us as a company, it was being able to understand what the situation looks like as it stands now. Um, you know, and I think when, when Neil started the company and, you know, when he brought me on board, the intention was very much, and, and, and this is kind of the goal and, and just the way that we kind of operate was, you know, we started starting in about, I started officially in May, but we had this conversation in March or April. And he was like, look, he's like, I left Geffen to start my own writer producer management company. And I want it to be number one, you know, the number one writer producer management company in the world by January, you know, and that was without any, you know, kind of concern necessarily, as far as the, the world and pandemic, it was more from a, you know, I think from an ambition standpoint, and as far as a, a process and how we can operate of saying, you know, nothing really should be stopping us from saying, oh, you know, the world's in a pandemic. Let's not be too, you know, let's not be too hard on ourselves. Of course, you know, we take, we, we take these situations and understand that there are absolutely limitations. And um, I think when it came to Hallwood as, as the way that we have been able to grow is, you know, I think it's a, it's a mix of assessing a lot of the current writing situations and creative situations that a lot of our writers and producers are already in, um, you know, and the relationships that we already have and the current active, you know, workflows that are happening to the other fact of, we are just taking on a staff. We are just taking on new talent. Mm -hmm. um, right. You know, and I can speak directly from this experience too, is like, you know, signing a lot of developing writers and producers and even some that are more established, you know, it's still a very, very tough world in quarantine creatively when it comes to how artists are collaborating with each other. And, you know, obviously we all here on Zoom have, have been able to leverage this as a tool to create, you know, to create together. But I think, you know, for mm -hmm. so many creatives in music, the process has always started in the room. And I think mm -hmm. that for that reason, a lot of artists and a lot of writers, a lot of producers have kind of tried to figure out how they can create and allow at least for that process to happen safely in quarantine, you know, which I think from, you know, from a new business standpoint, when I, you know, thinking about running a writer producer management company, you know, that, that definitely poses a challenge because, you know, a lot of major label artists, a lot of artists that anyone would want to get in with and work with on, on new music you know, a lot of those creative circles have been closed just due to the fact of saying, hey, look, it's COVID, it's a pandemic, we have to be careful. I'm keeping my creative circle pretty close to, you know, right. the four collaborators that I've worked with in the past. And, you know, I, I kind of have my, my, my people, 
Um, you know, but I think for me, I always try to figure out, you know, I, like I'm, I'm a, a serial optimist, but I also believe that there's always a way to be able to conduct business and to do something together. Mm-hmm. You know, it just a matter, it just depends on the angle and the approach. And, you know, for me, even from a producer standpoint, you know, it's like there have certainly been a lot of artist projects that, um, you know, they are closed creatively, you know, in terms of saying like, we are good on producers. We don't need any other songwriters in the room, you know, but especially with the artists that I think about, um, you know, that I'm still extremely passionate about. And I think that's a big part of the reason that I was really excited to get into the world of writer producer management in addition to artist management was there are so many artists that I'm inspired by and that, you know, that, that, I think all of us just listen to and kind of reminds us why we work in this business. And, you know, for that, it's like that at the same time, it's like, it's double edged with that, the tenacity and relentlessness of like, I want to work with them. There's gotta be a way. And, you know, for me, that meant thinking about, all right, cool. You have a producer, you have songwriters. It's like, well, producers obviously need raw material. So maybe if I send some loops over, you know, and I had Mm -hmm. some of my producers make some, you know, kind of lend their sonics to you, should it inspire you know, and maybe that can then open a door for collaboration, whether that's immediately or down the road. Um, you know, and I think that the mindset with 2015, with 2020, 2015, oh God, we've been in a time machine <laughs> in quarantine. <laughs> you know, the the mindset for me in 2020 has been obviously, and I think for Hallwood as a whole has been, you know, the for all of our writers and producers that have been in really great flows um, and have been really elevating what they have been doing and on, on the trajectory for success is making sure that we are capitalizing and, and elevating them and every step that they take and being as, as, as hypersensitive to that momentum to be able to then leverage the, you know, that momentum to get them more opportunities and build those relationships. And, you know, David Stewart is a, a huge example of that, um, you know, and, and as far as a story of something that, that Neil particularly was extremely attached to and, and that, you know, he David had started to build a name for himself as a songwriter and a producer, um, you know, through doing uh, what a man got to do for the Jonas Brothers and a lot of the previous work that he's done to build the momentum up to a point to where, you know, Ron Perry had mentioned that he was looking for, you know, for the next big single for BTS. And, you know, David had already started to make a name for himself and really trying to, you know, he really, really found his lane and, um, you know, then created Dynamite, which ended up being, you know, the the single for BTS and was a huge moment mm-hmm. for us that we were super, super, super grateful for and super proud of David for. And, um, you know, I think the our focus from there was saying, all right, you know, like, obviously David is at this level. How do we then elevate that to get him, you know, further opportunities again in a pandemic world, but saying, you know, yes, people are going to be very careful, but uh, producers of his stature, you know, it's like there are certainly artists that are, are down to at least explore safely, get tested, all of that. Whereas for a lot of developing songwriters and producers, you know, the key for me has been planting seeds and building really, really right. strong relationships. Um, right. And the way to do that has really been along the lines of, um, you know, getting familiar with a lot of the different, you know, label A&Rs and what projects that they were working on. And, you know, that means not only even going for, uh, you know, for the Lizzo's of the world, but going for the smaller developing artists and working with them and also building those relationships, but also it's, um, you know, and, and, and kind of allowing for the A&Rs that are even tied to those specific projects to be familiar with these writers and producers and the type of work that they do, um, right. to then also create an interest to do things on a larger level. Um, you know, but nice. it's, yeah, and the, I mean, it was, I know that was a, that was a ramble, but it's, you know, that's kind of how it, <laughs> in a, in a nah. nutshell, it's kind of been the Yo. approach. Before we continue, the word ramble has been said every sentence of the podcast, never <laughs> every, every episode of the podcast, never by us. <laughs> I think yeah. it's because we always interview people that aren't used to being the focus of the attention, but that's like totally fine. 
I took notes on what you were saying. So um, definitely not rambling. Uh, You spoke a little bit on the different levels or you you mentioned a level of songwriter. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of wondering, I think, you know, at least for the record industry, it's a little bit more tangible, I think, in terms of recordings where, okay, this person sells this much in the first week. They sell this much in the first week on the second album, on the third, on the fourth. The first album went platinum. The second went platinum. The third went platinum. The fourth went platinum or double platinum. And it seems like that's a pretty clear standard as to which the general public measures different tiers and different levels of stardom. Um, In terms of being a songwriter slash producer, obviously some of that is intact, but what are the type of battles that you fight that you think, you know, recording artists don't fight or that they fight a little bit less? Like what are the main battles that you fight fighting for songwriters and producers? And what does that tier level kind of look like? So obviously plaques are obviously a huge thing. Um, But is there anything else that kind of incorporates what you signify as different levels of songwriters or different levels of producers? Yeah. And and that's a great question, man. And I think that, you know, the first thing I will say, the first thing that comes to mind is a direct parallel to the artist world and the site and the songwriter producer world is oftentimes there are artists that we all stumble upon that are incredible, you know, and and Arizona being the example, even for me, you know, back in 2015 was I found a band on Reddit that no one had ever heard of. I'd never heard of and listening through their music. And I was like, this is the best band, one of the best bands that I've ever heard. And no one had heard of them. And, you know, I think that, now, you know, six and six and change years have passed and, you know, we've been lucky to, to now sign to major label and, you know, have a, a real, you know, real streaming success and build a touring fan base. But, you know, the, the quality of the product in my eyes have ne- has never changed. That's how it's always mm-hmm. been. But I think mm-hmm. the direct, you know, that direct correlation into the world of songwriting and producer, you know, and to songwriters and producers and has always been being able to leverage, you know, and, and again, I guess this comes from my marketing background is, you know, it, when it comes to industries and the way that everybody works with each other, you know, everyone is, is already working with something, right? There's already songwriters in the mix. There's already producers in the mix, you know, and it always takes those big moments, you know, of, of, you know, kind of, again, going, even pointing back to David Stewart dynamite was most, you know, a lot of people certainly didn't know who David Stewart was. And then dynamite Mm -hmm. became number one, you know, for, I, I don't even remember how many weeks straight, but, you know, then everybody was asking about working with David Stewart. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. like the same, the same questions happen. And I think it's like, what that taught me as somebody who just entered the world of writer producer management, not even a year ago is like, people obviously react to relevance, people react to momentum. Mm-hmm. I, w- the way that I see people talk about, you know, pitching an artist to work on something or pitching a songwriter or producer to join the session, you know, they talk in terms of relevant touch points of who are the artists that they've been in with lately, the people that they're mm-hmm. currently writing with, you know, and it's it's interesting because it's like, you know, depending on what you say and the certain artists that you're referencing, even if I, you know, and, and this actually just happened this past week was I was suggesting one of my producers for a session with uh, an Atlantic UK artist who's particularly more of a dark pop vibe. And the the sampler that I had sent for the one of my producers didn't have any particularly dark references, but I was saying like, look, mm-hmm. I'm I, you know, this guy is an incredible, you know, alternative pop producer. He is definitely has a dark side, but his, you know, his, his real is, t- it, it tends to be a little bit brighter, you know, but again, it's like, it, and, and I think it was an interesting thing because even knowing the work that this producer in particular has done, you know, it still didn't necessarily strike the chord with somebody who doesn't know him well enough. And, you know, I certainly right. do, but they don't. And it's like, you know, I've been able to see doors open just in terms of referencing 
who this person has burnt, has been working with, what rooms they have been in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a, a good example of that is even, you know, a, a client of mine is a, is a, a guy named Ethan Schneiderman who, you know, he's 20 years old, extremely talented, and he's going to be one of the great alternative pop producers of our time, you know, but he's, he is, he is young, just in age and in his term in the industry. Um, but, you know, one of the, the incredible things about him and about his story, you know, was he, you know, he was from, he's from North Carolina. He went to the Blackbird Academy in Nashville, went from Blackbird Academy to uh, Capitol Studios as an engineer, where he then got you know, poached from Capital to be uh, an engineer at uh, Shangri-La with Rick Rubin, you know, which again, that's that off the bat is an interesting thing to people because they're like, okay, this kid was in Shangri-La. So he comes mm-hmm. from, he's cut from a very, you know, from a very refined cloth, um, which at that point, you know, he met, he was lucky to meet, uh, you know, Julian Casablancas, you know, and, and then he also met Jeff Basker working on the Harry, you know, Harry Styles stuff. And, um, you know, one thing led to another and, Jeff kind of took him into his ranks and he started working with a guy named Alex Olivian, who's one of Jeff's protégés. And, you know, just by saying simply that this producer is associated with the world of Jeff Basker, and this is the lineage that he comes from, the way that doors open, it's incredible. It's amazing. And it's, you know, and I think that that for me as a marketer, I think about, you know, you always talk, you want to talk in terms of what other people want. And it's, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's always genuine, but I think it's also when it comes to you're thinking about who can best serve your artist, you know, who's, you know, it's, you know, and especially as an artist manager, I'm extremely protective of of my artist's time is saying, all right, well, like who's worth us taking time with and saying, all right, well, this person's been with X, you know, X artist, you know, Y artist, Z artist. And that's so in the world that we want to be creating in. That's the sound, that's the sonic they'd be perfect um, as opposed to someone that's more of a chance. So it's like, I always try to make sure that it feels as relevant as it possibly can to them and to that particular artist at the time to be able to open that door and make it compelling. Do you compel. ever um, reverse engineer that? So it's like, we want to work with this person. Are we relevant yeah. to that person? Do the, do the people that we have worked with, is that relevant to that person? Is that how it yeah. kind of works to the next level of songwriter that you want to actually work with? It, or? It, it, it's funny you say that. And I, you know, I think that's been something that in quarantine I've been thinking about a lot because, you know, there are, and, and, and I'm, I'm very grateful and, and, you know, for the network that I've built up and I'm always catching up with people. And there's always, you know, the way that I've operated has been, you know, in quarantine, especially, and, and everybody can relate to this is there's been nothing to do, but work. We're here a lot, you know, yeah. ch- chained to our desk, 15 hours a day, willingly and happily, but, you know, I'm constantly in meetings on phone calls with everybody catching up. And, you know, it's like, I have, you know, five hours of catch up calls in a day. And from those five hours, there are so many things, so many relationships that we open up. What are you working on? How can we, you know, how can we get involved? What can we work on together? And, you know, those workflows are amazing and they're, they're reactive in a lot of ways. Um, proactive are, you know, there's, there are proactive workflows in terms of also like, you know, I get, you know, we get briefs from, from, uh, from labels every day and from artists every day of what they're working on. And then I think about, Hey, this producer, this songwriter would be perfect. And we try to pitch them and, you know, it's, that's part of the way of trying to at least create those relationships, but it's hard because everybody's doing that. And I think that, you know, the approach that I've been thinking of, especially lately has been, you know, instead of trying to spend so much time trying to figure out how do we get in with this artist? It's like, I'm now trying to shift the focus from my writers and producers creatively when we're making songs for pitch is like, how about we think about records that we really wanted to create that should be out Mm -hmm. in the world and exist in the world in this type of vein, you know, let's Mm -hmm. make that, let's see what, you know, and 
again, at Hallwood, we're very lucky to have the luxury of so many incredible writers and producers that come from every single genre to where, you know, there is, uh, there's not really a, an inability to create a specific song of a certain, you know, style, um, you know, and, and it's, and for, for us too, it's, you know, the, the way that we, we kind of talk about it in Hallwood is packaging. You know, it's like, there are a lot of, so many incredible writers and producers and it's like, we can package, you know, for, for example, you know, like, uh, there are, are artist projects that are currently looking for songs, you know, one in particular is a, a really big DJ. And, um, you know, it's like, I have amazing pop songwriters, um, that may have never, that have definitely never worked with this DJ before. Um, you know, but when we have an amazing electronic producer that, um, has also never worked with this DJ before, but it's like, cool get you guys together, start creating songs that just should be amazing dance songs that can live in that world enough, but, you know, just fantastic dance songs that we feel great about, you know? And, and I think that by doing that, it's also, it's a different intentionality than just reacting and making songs because this is what they're looking for. It needs X, Y, Z components. But um, right. I think it's just, I'm trying to think more intentionally and proactively in terms of the way that we are creating music and how it can, how it can also, you know, how it can also blossom relationships and it can create new ones in ways that we're not thinking about. But, you know, I think ultimately quarantine has been a, a difficult time to open a lot of doors for, you know, for, for developing songwriters and, and producers that don't have those relationships, but there are always ways in, um, always ways in, I think, you know, and I, and I think that the other, the other way of doing that to me has been, I'm big on when I take in any new client, I want to spend, an hour to two hours with them minimum to break open their Rolodex. I want to know everybody that they know, all, right. you know, any creative collaborators, artist friends, just people in your circle, because knowing that and being able to kind of really spend some time with that, you know, just because, you know, it's like an artist or a songwriter might know all these people, but they never thought about collaborating that way. It kind of helps to have a third person come in and just say, Hey, Oh my God, it would be such a good idea if you got in with this person, we can bring right. this person in. You know, and, and the way that I see that even applying in the world of Hollywood is like, you know, the same thing is there's a lot of, you know, so many of our writers and producers and just being a part of the music, you know, the music industry community and the creative community, everybody's connected in some way, shape or form. So being able to open that up a little bit more to, you know, some of our writers and our producers, just knowing who they're friends with and who they're close with and who they regularly like to create with and saying, hey, you know, story is one of our incredible, you know, pop, hip hop, top liner songwriters, you know, have you ever collaborated with them? And it's like, the answer is like, Oh no, but he's amazing. I, it's like, cool. Bring him in the room. And it's like, all of a sudden right. these doors open and, um, and it just builds the network. It builds their relationships and it creates so many new opportunities in ways that, um, you know, that we couldn't have before. And I think that it's also just being in quarantine has forced us to try to think as, and, and for me too, it's just, I'm just trying to think as resourcefully as I can, you know, I don't want, I don't we'll try to, I try not to let just because we're in quarantine stunt the growth in any situation. I think it's just a matter of how do we get around it? It's, it's a, it's a difficult I'm thing. I'm sure y'all will blast off when, uh, when quarantine <laughs> is over and when people have been vaccinated, like, yo, this, this is easy. We're killing it. We're crushing yeah. it. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> we're, you know, we're, we're trying to set up to, you know, we especially want to set up all of our relationships and the infrastructure to be in place to where when the door is when, you know, the door is open and everyone is really safe that it just, it, it elevates to an entirely new level that we haven't, we've literally never seen at Hollywood because we never started there. Right. So we've, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's like weight training with, with super heavy weights. And then it's like, this is, this is way heavier than we need to be, but it's at least going to get us so we can really operate at the highest, highest capacity. Right. There we go. I like it. 
Um, but I also love to just the, I mean, when starting working with a new client, really diving deep into the Rolodex. I mean, we take a similar approach even with regards to just like content creation and digital marketing is like who are artists where we can like co-create content at, both on the music creation side and content creation side. I feel like people oftentimes are like neglecting what's already in their back pocket, but uh, I love yeah. that call out. With that said, one, one kind of question too is like, I, I know for like artists and managers, I mean, a lot of people start by like writing for themselves and then over time as they get bigger, they have more resources. There's a lot of value and a lot of unique opportunity to collaborate with like world-class writers. But from your perspective, being on both the artist management side, as well as the songwriter management side, like when do you think it makes sense for an artist to actually start working with songwriters? I, I think that it's, it's a case by case thing for me. I think that the first thing that I always say to artists in general is like, I, you know, the reason, especially like the artists that I work with, it's like, I come to them because I clearly trust their creative vision and I love what they create. And so it's not, it's never a knock to saying, I don't believe in what you're capable of by yourself. I think, I think that from a creative standpoint, the question to really always ask yourself is, do you feel like you're getting the most out of your own process? And do you feel like it's helpful to have, to even think about bringing out anybody else into the room simply to help sharpen the sword? You know, like I look at this stuff as sword sharpening this, the same way that I think that all of us as non-creatives per se in the music industry is as, you know, as, as business people in music, it's like all of the relationships that we've built with each other. I, I, you know, certainly for me have grown me as a person, as a human being, as a person in business and music. Right. And, and I think it's so important, you know, and this is a conversation that I've been having, you know, with, with all of my artists is like, you know, it is so important to be able to fully realize that and understand how valuable that is because, you know, this is a community, this is a network of people that we've all, you know, we're all growing together. We're all going through so many of the same shared experiences. And I think everybody has a different perspective that they can lend to each other that we can learn from. And, you know, that also means too, like bringing in another songwriter, of course, this is somebody who has a specialized field and focus creatively, but they might also help an artist realize something about their own process, about their brand, about their sound, that they never thought about just because they're allowing someone they're being vulnerable to say, come into my own creative process. Like, you know, and, and I, so I think even, and the other thing that I would say too, to any artist that's thinking about it is like, salt doesn't have to definitively be a session for your project. This can just be, let's get together with, with somebody else creatively who I would be interested in just getting in the room with and vibing with and seeing what happens and not necessarily putting all of that same pressure of saying, oh man, anything we do is going to be for my project. I don't feel great about this. This isn't the direction. It's like, you know, you could have someone, you know, any songwriter come in with Arizona and they walk out with an Ariana Grande song. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's just about allowing yourself to be vulnerable and allowing yourself to just make something together and, and just, you know, and I think fundamentally for me, it's just, it, it's so, it's such a special thing to be able to build great relationships in this industry. It's like summer camp. It's a very small world. We bump into each other all the time. And the best thing we can do is learn from each other and support each other. Yeah. Go ahead, Jordan. Right. For sure. Um, I guess on that note, like in terms of networking for songwriters versus, versus, uh, you see, you see here. I'm angling. I'm angling songwriters and producers versus um, recording, yeah. primarily recording artists. What is that networking process like um, for songwriters and producers, and how do you think it differs from recording artists? You sort of said earlier, you know, you send B packs, give people a little taste. Yeah. Can you kind of like double down on what on what networking is like for, yeah. for songwriters and producers? Absolutely, and I can and I can even give you a contrast of both because I've, I've I've been thinking about that as well. Is like 
you know, just to start with artists and then go into the songwriter producer world is, you know, it's an interesting thing because an artist doesn't necessarily need outside collaborators outside of the people that have helped them make their music in the first place. And oftentimes I find that artists are in fact sheltered, you know, in their own bubble to keep that integrity intact, which kind of creates this mindset of you don't necessarily need to go make friends. We don't need, you know, no new friends. And, you know, and it's an interesting thing because, you know, I've, I've seen that play out and I don't feel like that necessarily caters to growth in any way, shape or form. You know, but on the flip of that, the songwriter producer community comes purely, you know, success in that in that industry and in that business inside of the business comes purely from collaboration. So it's in any songwriter, any producer's interest to be able to branch out, to meet more people, to get involved in more sessions. And, um, right. you know, I, I think that that happens in terms of the way that people are building relationships with each other. A good example is that is, uh, is, is my client, Jay Stolar, who's an incredible writer and producer who's, you know, he started as an artist himself. Um, but also has been writing songs with, you know, a specific crew of people. Um, one artist songwriter in particular is a, is a girl named Caroline Pennell, who, you know, they've written songs together for a very, very long time. And they've built up a crew of different songwriters and producers that they love working with. And, you know, as that crew grows, you know, and as they all in their own independent, you know, worlds are working on different projects, it gives them all opportunities to be able to say, hey, I'm working on this, you know, whatever this song is come in and work on it with me versus, you know, and I'm working with this artist and we need a third songwriter. And I think that in a lot of different scopes and scales, it is a process to where I think it's very like, you know, I think it is the opposite of the artist world to where you are so, so, so um, inclined to lean into your friends in that community and collaborate with each other. Because at the end of the day, you want the best possible song. You want your song to be fantastic. And, you know, for artists, it's like, this is, this is, it's very, it's very sacred. It's very protected. And um, I think that so many songwriters and producers have been able to build up their own networks just from meeting other people, trying to vibe with each other. And, you know, and I think that that means, you know, you could have your friend circle and your, you know, your collaborative network be 80% songwriters and producers and only 20% artists. And, you know, right. some, some, some live a lot more in the artist world and they know way more artists than they do songwriters because that's just the relationships that they have. But I think it's just, I think it's just the paradigm of, of thought of like, you know, for artists and songwriters is like, they are a different worlds, And it's something that I've been seeing firsthand. It's really interesting. I love that. I love that. It makes a lot of sense. So when, when you're thinking about the side of, um, I mean, you've alluded to a lot of very awesome, like tactics and areas of focus, relationship building, vulnerability. Um, I, I love all that stuff, but, but if you're really trying to kind of deconstruct even further, any other kind of points as we start to come towards the closes with regards to like, what, what are the, the things that songwriters or producers should be uh, really focused on and, and intentional about when they're trying to develop a meaning, meaningful career? And maybe this is things that they, they mm. often overlook or, or aren't necessarily prioritizing as much as they should, but very curious yeah. from your, what your perspective really stands out there. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the most important things, and this is something that Neil has, has really, really, really reinforced with everybody at Hallwood, has been... For writers and producers, the be, the best way to keep sharpening your sword, even on your own, is you have to do your listening. You know, and this is this is something that he learned from Jimmy Iovine was, you know, listening to a different chart every single day is the best thing that you can possibly do to train your ear. Whether it's knowing every single artist and not or not, you know, you're becoming more and more familiar of what the sounds of what's working is today. You know, so if you listen to today's top hits, you listen to Pop Rising, you listen to all new indie, you listen to Lorem, 
you know, whatever style you are, you know, as far as a songwriter or a producer, it's so important to be able to have a good ear and a, just a fundamental subconscious understanding of what is the sound and songwriting structures and production styles that are really, really catching because it, it gives you a little bit of an, you know, uh, I mean, an edge in, in, in turn, but it's kind of a fundamental that everybody should have is you need to know what, you know, what the game looks like right now. And if you want to be able to make your own mark and build in and, and be able to integrate with a lot of these artists and work with them and understand their sounds. I mean, that's one. Um, the other important thing too, is I think it's so, so important for songwriters and producers and, and even artists to know this in general is like, do not, don't wait for somebody else to do something for you as far as work. If there's an artist that you're compelled by, if there is a songwriter that you're compelled by, don't wait for someone to reach out, go and try like shoot your shot. You know, so many times I've seen people be so hesitant because they don't feel like they have the clout to be able to hit up a big writer or a big producer because they're inspired by them. But so many times on the flip of that, I see a big writer or a big producer even saying that like, I didn't matter how much, you know, what following they had, you know, the, I, I got a chance to listen to music. It's incredible. And, you know, and like, I, how could I not want to work with them? And, you know, and, and look, Goldwash being an amazing example of an extremely talented producer that's still building his repertoire and building his, you know, and building that relevance and momentum as you, you know, as you'd say in the songwriter producer community, right. but, you know, he is so dope sonically that it's like, again, send your music to whoever it is that you're inspired by, whatever project it is that you want to work on. You really never know who's going to be listening. Right. Awesome. Yeah. You know, um, on our Patreon, we actually have uh, a monthly newsletter, a weekly newsletter that goes out every Monday of things in the music industry that people should be yeah. paying attention to. And I feel like it's a similar thing as like listening to the charts. Um, it's sort of like, you know, in order to see around the corner, you have to know what's on the block first, which is kind of in a book that I that I heard about um, or that I read called So Good They Can't Ignore You, um, mm. where it just talked about doing a lot of research about whatever field you want to be in or, or whatever profession that you want to be in, because in order yeah. to, in order to, uh, you know, be it truly innovative, you really have to know that space. So yeah. it's much easier to think, okay, I want to be a software engineer. I'm going to read a lot of blogs about software engineering, or I want to be in the music industry. I want to read a lot of books about the music industry or articles about the music industry, you know, keeping up on current events. And it's interesting that you say the charts, because I feel like that's the same thing, but as a songwriter, like the current yeah. events are the charts, the the research is the charts, it's the music itself, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that'll be an interesting nugget for people to dissect uh, when they listen to this. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's really, it's such an interesting thing because I also think that it goes hand in hand with having an idea of what people are even writing about right now, you yeah. know, because it's, you know, and that was something that I was even saying to some of my songwriters was like, I'm, I've been just focusing and paying attention to like the, the, the over the, the, the overarching lyrical themes of what people have been writing about in quarantine. And it's, it's so hyper-focused on the world that we're in very understandably. So, because here we are doing nothing but focusing on what we, you know, the world that we live in and what's going on around us, you know, and it's like, I think that there are, are so many even larger thematic, you know, lyrical themes that we could be exploring and thinking yeah. about, you know, but it's just everyone, you know, it's like, look, mental health has been a, a huge theme of the last few years. And it's, you know, it was just kind of this, this, this conversation that kind of kicked up and wherever it started, it's an amazing, an amazing, amazing, amazing conversation. But I think it's, you know, I, I feel like we have even lyrically, there's been so much of a hyper-focus on mental health to where I feel like a lot of other lyrical concepts and overarching themes in just music and what we're talking about have kind of been swan, you know, kind of drowned out by that. And right. it's an interesting thing for, I think, a songwriter to think about too, is like, what are the other 
the other things of trying to channel. And, and again, everyone is very reactive to their environment. That's just what we are. And, and I think especially as, as creatives in music is we are, we are so much about what is around us and that's what's compelling the writing in that way. And I think that it's just a matter of, you know, being attuned to what people are talking about. Maybe that, that sparks up more conversations and ideas and, um, and, and tailing off of that and just trying to continue to further the conversation right. um, through writing. Right. Awesome. Well, Jake, man, really want to, really want to thank you for coming out virtually. Um, hopefully we can <laughs> all see each other in person soon. I know Sam's coming back from Wyoming at some point. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we're all vaccinated by then and can, and can uh, continue the conversation over some wine or beer or something like that. But we really appreciate you uh, coming out and kind of shedding, shedding more light on this part of the industry that we feel we haven't given justice to, which is uh, songwriters and producers. So really appreciate it. I really appreciate you guys. Jordan, Sam, thank you guys so much for having me. This is so fun. Definitely, man. True pleasure. Keep up the great work, bro. Thanks, guys. You too. Man, well, that was a great episode. Really enjoyed hearing what Jake had to say. Network, network, network. Focus on themes that are, are vulnerable, that are authentic to who you are as a person, whether you're an artist just writing for yourself or looking to sign and work with a songwriter. Um, the suffering is very true, and I think that tends to elicit very strong emotion in others. What stood out to you, Jordan? Um, I think networking between songwriters and and the and how that differs from recording artists, I think, is super interesting. Um, I think him saying, you know, reach out to artists that you feel like are too big for you is is something that our audience will will take a lot of value from because I do think at least from the messages that I've gotten and the conversations that I've had is that they feel like those conversations should be had with their manager or their label or somebody that's not them um, but a lot of these songwriting opportunities and a lot of these collaboration opportunities come from the artists actually reaching out directly and if you have good music you know we brought up Goldwash an example a really great singer songwriter from Baltimore that I've known since I was little if you have good music then it's a lot easier to do that because in my opinion as a songwriter, it's less, it's a little bit less about putting numbers on the board and more about is this song actually good? Is this songwriter actually good? So I'm glad that we got into that today. Um, and I think people, you know, will probably have enjoyed it by the time that they got to this outro. So for sure. Awesome. Well, appreciate y'all greatly. We'll be back next week. Until then, peace. <laughs>